Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being here and supporting the students doing this. Uh, my name is Toby. I'm a senior at Cheyenne High School, and I'm the first of four speakers you'll be hearing from. Our message, it is written, covers Jesus' temptations from Matthew 4. Satan tempts Jesus with the empty pursuits of pleasure, popularity, and power. Each time Satan attacks Jesus, Jesus defends with the words, it is written. Every word builds towards what Jesus did for us on the cross. With that said, please turn with me to Matthew 4 or follow along on the screens. Now, before we dive in, I want to highlight this idea of God over good. Later on, we'll talk about what that means, but for now, let's read. Starting in verse 1, Matthew 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, quicksand is an interesting thing. When one is caught in quicksand, instinct screams at you to frantically move around to try and get out. But that's the last thing you want to do. As a matter of fact, it's best to stay as still as possible and allow yourself to be slowly pulled out. But instinct is difficult to override. Jesus is fully human, fighting off every fiber in his being, screaming to him to follow his instinct and eat. We see that in verse 1 and 2. In verse 3 and 4, we see him go along with God's plan and choose not to eat, even though eating seemed like the good thing to do in that situation. This is where God over good comes into play. Jesus sacrificed a seemingly good thing, which was eating, for the God thing, which was to train himself to fight temptation, to train himself for the cross. Now, when was there a time I was led through my own personal wilderness? When was there a time I needed to sacrifice what I thought was best for God's choice? While asking myself these questions, I was reminded of a time while I was at basic training this last summer in Missouri. It was a new place with new people and a crazy schedule. This in itself was a struggle for me. But where the story really starts was when my body started taking the hit for it. Waking up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning, getting yelled at from the minute we were up, and immediately going into a grueling workout in a busy day took its toll. At first, I pushed on. I put my head down, I stayed quiet, and I hoped my name wasn't ever said. But over time, I felt more and more defeated. Sleep became my best friend. It was the one time my body could shut down and my mind could take a break from the constant stress I felt. Soon after, I reached my breaking point. To this day, I can close my eyes and recall the moment. We were all out in the hot sun doing light stretches with the drill sergeants pacing around us, and I was groaning because of how sore I was. I was quickly yelled at and asked why I was groaning. At that moment, I was done defeated, ready to quit. I remember telling myself just survive until lights out when I could sleep and the stress would pause. That night I remember going to bed, but not as long as the usual night. I didn't stay in bed until the last minute. No, that night I woke up when the barracks were still dark. The only sounds I could hear were the fans on the, the ceiling and the snores of the other trainees. I remember grabbing this, which is a Bible the military provided me and walking quietly to the bathroom, which was the only source of light at that hour. I opened this up, and I read, and I spent time with God. This was new for me because since day one, I'd been telling myself that sleep was the only good thing I had, and I needed it. But in that moment, I felt God. Not my own thoughts of thinking what was best, but a feeling from God that went beyond that. From that day forward, I did that every morning. I was in a wilderness like Jesus. Jesus dealt with the lack of food. Mine was the lack of sleep. Sacrifice had to be made, and God won out. Not good, 
God. I graduated. I came home a soldier. But that is nothing, nothing compared to the growth I had in my relationship with God. Church, I sincerely ask you to pray and see what your wilderness is that God is using. I see you pray for the Lord to reveal where you're choosing what you think is good versus what God might be trying to do. God over good. Jesus fought temptation with truth. Will you? Good morning. My name is Ella and I am a sophomore at Maple Valley High School. You just heard from Toby about the empty pursuit of pleasure and I am here to share about the empty pursuit of popularity. We will continue in Matthew 4, starting at verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Think of the highest place you have ever traveled. Maybe it was the peak of a mountain you hiked, or within the clouds flying in an airplane. Satan took Jesus to the highest point of the temple in the holy city, which was a familiar landmark in Jesus' day. Here at this high point, Satan tested Jesus. He states in verse six, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If Jesus would only jump from this high point, the crowd would notice the angels catching him and he'd gain popularity and recognition. Satan even quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 through 12. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. This verse is a promise from God assuring his children that we will be protected. Satan twists this verse against Jesus, tempting him to choose popularity with the crowd over devotion to the Father. Often, we are tempted to care more about others' opinions than what God thinks of us. Recently, I made the decision to graduate high school a year early. Everyone had a lot of questions like, why in the world would you want to miss a year of high school? Numerous questions included topics of missing a year of sports, prom, and overall just cutting the whole high school experience short. Just like Satan tried to persuade Jesus through temptation, I felt tempted by my classmates' continuous questioning. I started thinking of everything I was going to miss and how I was going to be remembered after I graduated. I've always had the reputation of being that Christian girl in school, this has led me to be left out of certain groups and conversations. I've been told numerous times, Ella can't hear that, or Ella can't know about that, just because I'm a Christian. John 15, verse 19 says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Our lives look different from those of non-believers, but we can still be friends with them. We don't need to chase after popularity to grab attention from others. We can show our faith by simply being a faithful friend. I am still struggling with this and learning to remind myself that I'd rather be real than popular. Instead of believing the lies that we have to be liked and accepted by others, we can be an influence through our kind words and actions. We don't need to be popular to be, to be influential. Lately, I've had the mindset of moving on. I couldn't wait to graduate and run away from the tough relationships I've had through middle school and high school. 
But I was reminded by someone that God has me in this place for a reason. I want to remind each and every one of you that where you are is not an accident. God has you here for a purpose. We may not know what that purpose is yet, but we need to give our complete trust to God. Verse 7 states, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus is referring to Deuteronomy 6.16. The pursuit of popularity often puts us in situations where we make selfish choices in order to lift up our own name instead of following God's path for our lives. As Christ followers, it is our job to glorify his name through all that we do. Maybe you struggle with dealing with acceptance from others, following the crowd, or fitting in. Ask yourself, am I pursuing God's will or my own desire for popularity? I challenge you to reflect on Romans 12, 2 this week. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus fought temptation with truth. Will you? Good morning. I am Haley Holder, and I will be speaking on Jesus's third temptation, the empty pursuit of power. Please pray with me. Dear God, please speak through me today and let these words resonate on our hearts and minds. In your name I pray, amen. We will continue on in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Please follow along as I read. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you only kneel down and worship me. All right, well, right away, I noticed that Satan is tempting Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords with all the kingdoms of the world. Well, Jesus was already promised this by the Father, making the pursuit empty. Jesus knows his purpose, that he was sent here to die and be raised from the dead. Most things we as people are tempted by, such as pleasure, popularity, power, satisfaction, value, the list goes on, we already have through Jesus Christ. We don't need anything other than Jesus because he is our true satisfaction, our true joy. In him we have value and he is our purpose. Jesus, knowing this, chooses the right path. There's no shortcut, no easier way. In verse 10, Jesus fights the temptation with truth. Notice how he responds. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus uses scripture to remind Satan of who is in control, who has the power, and ultimately who wins the fight. God is in power, and he should always be on the throne of your life. So last October, I felt really convicted. And when I say convicted, I mean the whole works, just sobbing in tears, the curled up in a ball, totally awakened feeling. I knew what I had done was wrong, and it wasn't biblical, but I never had the thought or the desire to share or tell anyone 
I was feeling a lot of shame and guilt. It was a Wednesday night and I was driving home from a youth group out in Holly. I was listening to probably not the best choices of music and Run to the Father by Cody Carnes is playing and I just start bawling. I knew I needed to tell my parents, just anyone. It was kind of a gut feeling. The opening line, I've carried a burden for too long on my own, really resonated with me. I got home when was immediately greeted with a hug from my dad. We walked up to the living room. My mom is sitting on the couch. My dad goes over and joins her. I sit across the room and just in tears lay out for them a lot of things I had been hiding and struggling with on my own. My biggest fear was rejection, to be seen as worthless and flawed. They were so accepting and loving. After I finished speaking, they both came to me in tears and we just had the biggest and best group hug I've probably ever experienced. Confession is really scary, but it doesn't have to be. Jesus wants us to come as we are, not as perfect, but as broken, not in power, but in weakness. Because in Christ, we are valuable. We are significant. He sees us as perfect and flawless. In keeping my secrets, I was being held captive. I was looking for that shortcut, the easier way. But with Jesus, we can overcome every empty pursuit. We can be vulnerable because God is our strength. I encourage you to think about what in your life is holding you captive. Confess that and let go. Be free from your sins and give God the throne of your life. Jesus fought temptation with truth. Will you? morning. My name is Cole Weiland, and I'm a senior at Park Christian School this year. So far, we've covered the empty pursuits of pleasure, popularity, and power. And this morning, I'll be closing with the pursuit of God from Luke 23, verses 39 to 43. Imagine with me Jesus up on the cross with the two other criminals. Somewhere in those six hours, a very unique conversation starts among the three men. Luke 23, 39 starts out by saying, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, they deserve death because both of them have broken the law. But Jesus was the only one of the three who didn't deserve it. Realizing this, the second criminal says in verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Not only was Jesus paying the punishment of Rome, but he was also paying the punishment of God. This would fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah 53, 4, saying he was smitten by God, struck down and afflicted, so that he could bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. The first criminal bears Roman judgment and then faces God's judgment, and he deserves them both. And the second criminal did also deserve both, God, both Rome's and God's judgment, but he didn't receive God's judgment. The reason for this is found in the last character in the passage, Jesus. Jesus bore Rome's judgment, which he did not deserve. Not even Pilate could find a way to accuse Jesus. But what is more is that Jesus bore God's condemnation, which again, he did not deserve. Jesus had a perfect life, as shown in his temptations in the wilderness, as shown in his life throughout the Gospels, and as shown in his last temptation on the cross. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, in those final hours, he was tempted to save himself and call on his heavenly hosts. But Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured God's wrath because it brought him joy to be able to bring people like the criminal to paradise with him. Jesus bore the wrath that he did not deserve so that we can escape the wrath that we deserve. To help share the gospel with you guys this morning, I want to share what this passage means to me personally. And I hope you guys can take these things to heart because you never know just what is going to happen in life. We're not the ones who hold our futures. Trust me. On my first day of school this year, I woke up ready for a new sense of normalcy. But the start to my year was all but normal. When I woke up that morning, my family had found that my dad had passed away in his sleep from a heart attack. Our plans for the future were shattered. My mom wouldn't get to grow old with dad by her side. Our dream vacations with him were canceled. I wouldn't get to see my dad at my basketball games for my senior season. And my sister and I would have to finish growing up without a dad. This part of my life is really hard for me to understand and to grasp. But what I learned from it is that we don't hold our futures. And this part is scary for many of us because the future is just so unpredictable. But what I can encourage you guys to do this morning is to put your faith in the God who holds your future for you. My dad's story is tragic, 
but it is also full of great joy. My dad put his trust in the God that held his future. He trusted that Jesus would take away his sins and that he would bring him to paradise. And that's where he is this very minute. To put our faith in Jesus, we must first acknowledge that deep down, we are sinners. Romans 3.23 states that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The second criminal on the cross realized that he was a sinner and that he was getting what he deserved. But even still, there was life to be found for him in Christ. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While the criminal was still a sinner, Christ died for him. And our sins lead to death, but we can experience paradise as God's gift. And this is stated by Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can know today that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus if your life aligns with Romans 10.9. And it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me encourage you to believe in Jesus' promise for your future to trust that his sacrifice is sufficient for all of your sins and to follow in his footsteps that will lead to paradise forevermore. Let's pray. Dear Lord, this morning we just want to thank you for your son. And I pray that you could help each of us here just reflect on what he's done for us. Thank you for bearing the wrath that we deserved so that you could bring us to paradise. In Jesus' name, amen.